This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Foster, who is the CEO of Synergio Group, um, a published author, and also the host of the Hub and Spoken podcast. So, uh, Jason, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show. No, it's not a problem. So, um, wh- where we always start, Jason, is by asking, I guess, the guests to give a um, you know brief introduction into their background and journey to date. If you'd uh, if you'd be so kind. Um, so, so yeah, background in data, basically. Um, well, bi- business and data. Um, I um, I've sort of landed in in this space. Um, not really through particular planning, but a little bit by by accident. Early career in you know sort of post university ended up in a kind of business analytics and sort of project management type role in sort of the data space in retail, um, and um, and then kind of fell into sort of helping and supporting operations research teams and data science teams to provide data platforms for them, um, building reporting solutions, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, and then, sort of moved into the consulting arena, um, and, and spent ten years um, working through and growing a business, um, and um, supporting organisations to better understand the metrics of their organisation, and helping to put in sort of data applications that allow them to see um, how the business is performing and help them sort of steer steer the business a bit more. When it was all about reporting and data warehousing, sort of mm-hmm. that, that period. Yeah. Um, and then I moved into back into industry. I went to Marks and Spencer and I, I ran kind of big data as it was called then um, and uh, sort of marketing and um, data science technology and solutions um, and helped to sort of transform how they sort of put data at the heart of the business and um, and supported a lot of, sort of um, tra- transformation in the marketing sort of technology and, and driving, powering marketing decisions with data and also across the business in other in other parts, supply chain and finance and those sorts of things. And then set up the business um, nearly six years ago, uh, Synergeur, to, to kind of help organizations to better understand um, how they maximize this opportunity that is data. Yeah. Yeah. As a fellow business owner, it always intrigues me why people get to that point where they decide to make that leap. What was the kind of you know tipping point for you? Yeah, good, 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 good question. I, I don't know. I asked my wife if I should do it, and she said don't. So I did. I don't know. Um, Same story no, as I mine. That. How is it? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I don't know. When I was in consulting, I joined I joined this business. Um, it was called Blueprint, um, and it was one of the kind of niche um, reporting and business intelligence agencies at the time. We were a, a, a business objects partner, and we were we were doing some really cool, innovative things. And I and I and we helped grow that, and we got acquired, and it was all fun to be part of that. And I always felt that I'd love to do that myself and, and grow a business, and sort of had a bit of an entrepreneur entrepreneurial. Um, not necessarily flair, but kind of fire to do something like that. And yep. and the experience I had at MS actually really sort of proved that I could take a, a thing that I'd spent 10, 15 years sort of learning and apply it in, in such a big and, and established organization like that. Um, and, and as the kind of budgets dried up there and and and, the, and we'd done a lot of the kind of the hard, heavy lifting and, and, and the work we wanted at the time, I felt it was a good time to give that a go. I had an opportunity to leave and, and jumped out and sat with a blank sheet of paper on uh, January the first one year and and, and yeah and then, and then started the business so but it, it was quite interesting so I, I'm sure like you you know you, you kind of you know I went to market and, and tested a few ideas and what I thought we would do and what I thought would resonate and the kind of the proposition evolved out of those early conversations rather than like a really clear statement of this is what we'll do the the, the underpinning and the desire of the business is the same the mission of the business is the same but what we do is sort of adjusted a bit but yeah, I yeah. just, I mean, I've, yeah, I loved making that transition. I've, I've, it's the best thing I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that I did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are, are doing really well in the space. So it doesn't uh, surprise me to hear you say that. But I guess for anyone that's not kind of too familiar with Synergy, just give us a bit of an overview mm-hmm. on, you know, who you are, the types of work you're doing, who you're doing it for. And I guess, you know, what the, the roadmap for the future looks like. Cool. So, so yeah, we're a data and analytics strategy company. Um, we essentially help organizations to level up how good they are with getting value out of data and helping them to um, achieve the opportunity and attain the opportunity that exists when applying data to a business. We've kind of got three main blocks of the organization. There's the sort of pure consulting part of the business, which is about going into organizations, helping them to develop data strategies and helping them to implement those data strategies through technology um, implementation and business change and culture change work to, to wrap around that. Um, we have the CDO hub, which is a global members club for senior data leaders. Um, we have members in about 15, 20 countries. Um, and we have uh, uh, the sort of um, content thought leadership um, uh, side of the business, which is where the book, as you mentioned, um, Data Means Business comes from, uh, my podcast, Hub and Spoken, um, YouTube channel and that sort of thing. So we're kind of of helping the industry to, to get better at doing this data thing. Um, and that's where we we focus our attention. The the plans going forward are all about you know continue to build the strength and depth that we have in in sort of the core capabilities around um, working really closely with with customers, understanding and meeting the demands that they have as that as that evolves. Um, growing the business internationally, as I mentioned, in a few countries already. Um, so gr- growing that out, um, we, we're very focused and conscious of of growing the business profitably so we always focus on that anyway um, and i think the other side of it that is 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 something that we're focusing on right now and and, and will be a, a continued focus on the future is using the platform and the business that we have as a force for good um we're sort of turning up our attention in that space and seeing how we can better support um you know beyond just sort of doing client work but but support um a kind of world that we want to be part of yeah, yeah, no, that makes uh, perfect sense. So, kind of keen to to jump into the the meat of today's topic, then, which is obviously about the 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 role of the 
modern day CDO and I guess the journey that that kind of role has has been on and and how that's evolved. Um, Before we do that, though, just to touch on your book, um, what was the instigator behind that? Why did you decide right now is the time for me to put all of this on paper? Um, well, that's part of it. I, we, we've done a lot of work on on our own methods and approaches, and we'd use that in loads of organisations. And we saw I saw a pattern of what works, what doesn't. Um, I saw approaches that sort of always fail, approaches that always work, um, and load of as I say, we've got load of methodologies that we apply and ways of of, of doing this in in, in organisations. So I sort of had this idea of how do I package all that up and um and, and and get it in front of people in in a really succinct way i actually had this idea of a um of a of a data cookbook and it was going to be recipes <laughs> of how um of how people you know do different things like what's the recipe and the ingredients and the and the method for doing a proof of concept or for you know implementing a new system or for getting you know new people into your team so what's sort of how do you go about that I had this idea and i was chatting to uh, who now who's now my co-author barry green at an event one night and he also had had an idea of writing a book and his, his was, I think it was something like the no bullshit approach to data strategy, <laughs> something like that. And we, we were like, hang on a minute, should we do something together? So yeah, we just, we jumped, he was, he was the CDO at um, Allianz, the insurance company at the time, went down to his office in the city, we white blank whiteboard and we just mapped out what we might talk about. And and yeah, we, we started that pre lockdown actually, but I'd say 80% of that was written in 2020 sort of through that initial tough, sort of pand- early pandemic mm. period yeah um but yeah the, we, we we spot there was quite a few there were a few books around the chief data officer at the time um there was less sort of uh focused on the the broader business and and making it consumable about what this data thing is all about so we, we wanted to kind of write something that was really consumable to the ceo but also had enough depth for the sort of data professional data community yeah yeah now that makes uh that makes sense and I, i've read the book and um you know what i would say is even for someone like me i was able to understand and get my head around it so um i guess you, you did a, a really a really good job you and barry so uh yeah well done so let, let's awesome. jump into it then so i guess the obviously there's been a lot of noise and debate and you know back and forth around the role of the cdo and kind yeah. of what that is now and where that's come from but i guess Keen to get your thoughts, Jason, having been in the industry for such a long time and interacting with so many of these types of people, what's kind of change or what is changing within that role nowadays? Well, I mean, in in some ways, not a lot's changed. Um, And in other ways, the whole whole damn thing's completely different, Um, (laughs) which is sort of why it's it's quite an interesting one. But, you know, there's a huge, you know, there's a huge increase in I guess the organization showing the appetite for and the interest in the chief data officer role um, and data leadership more generally, even if it's not the kind of C-suite CDO, but someone who's responsible for the strategy of data within an organization and, and responsibility for making that happen. Um, there's kind of varying reports I see, and we haven't done our own here actually, but you know, there's varying reports that say anything from sort of a fifth to a half of listed companies have a CDO. Some say as many as two thirds of all companies have a CDO. I'm not actually sure, you know, I haven't done the research. But I'm not sure I, I see that myself um, no. in, in organizations we go into that's sort of, um, anecdotal and maybe small pool that we talk to. But, um, but it, that is saying that there's been a big increase. And, and when you compare that to sort of five, 10 years ago, when it was sort of, you know, less than 10%, whatever the number is, it's bigger than that. So there's definitely an increase in in appetite and, and an increase in the demand for 
um, people to have some kind of data leadership really prevalent in kind of like financial services, um, banking and insurance, those sorts of industries, business to consumer type organizations, starting to see a bit of an increase in, um, I suppose, vendors uh, bringing on a CDO, although the role is a little bit different for a vendor than it is for a um, sort of industry organization. There's, there's, there's not much change in kind of more traditional business, I'd say, sort of manufacturing, chemicals, oil and gas, automotive, they're sort of slightly slower to bring it, bring it in. But the role itself, um, I think, has kind of always been about the same thing. I think it's always been about um, helping an organization to improve the way it uses and manages and gets value out of data. So it's always been that. Um, and I think the good ones of 10 years ago were absolutely focused on that. Um, and the good ones of now are absolutely focused on that, um, which is where sort of really not much change. But I, I think because of this kind of appetite, the increase of appetite, increase of understanding that data is a really important asset for an organization, I think that's the biggest thing that's changed is just the volume of people who are now focused on trying to get this role um, defined and embedded in a business. Mm. Do you think that's the the main or one of the main difficulties that organizations face is actually trying to understand what they want from that role. Cause there's been a bit of a evolution, right. In terms of, if you think about 10 years ago, CDO, it was very much a, you know, governance related, you know, make sure, you know, a, a defensive tactic to make sure we don't get fined. Right. Especially if they're in a big regulated industry, like banking or financial services, whereas now it seems more forward facing. How do we go and attack and get value from that data? Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think in some industries that's true. I think regulated industries, the, uh, it's it's born out of what's what's the um, what's the use case. So the use case was regulatory control and and assurance, yeah. right? So that that was the use case in that industry. But I think other industries like retail, um, you know, if you think about Tesco, Clubcard, and and what retail did with data, it's always been about value it's always been about focusing on customers it's always been about better targeted decision making so i'm not sure it's about what it was then and what it was now but there's definite kind of switch to um a, a clear understanding that it has to be about um you know offense even if there's some defense great you've got to do that there's always regulatory control um but it's got to be uh, about offense it's got to be about making progress improve just sort of the the nature of the environment and the business environment that the organizations are now in and the consumer demand and the changing you know in way people interact with services it just means that there's a huge opportunity to to give all of that stuff firepower and even on the defensive stuff you know when we talk about defense what's that governance you can actually do that really offensively if you align it to to some really practical things with the business you know what are the operations of the business what's breaking there's normally some kind of data issue going on so let's like let's understand those so so yeah i think so there's definitely uh, to your first point about you know is there a lack of clarity about what the organization needs i think yes it's a chicken and egg scenario where you need to really have a clear strategy for what you want to do with data to then get the right leader in place to make that to, to sort of set that and embed that and then make it happen but you need a really good leader in place or you, or you need the, the capability in place to define that in the first place because i think you'll you'll obviously in your space you'll know that people go to market with all sorts of crazy <laughs> ideas about what they might want to try and achieve and the really broad breadth of experience that the cdo needs or doesn't as the case may be yeah um, so that needs that definitely needs sharpening yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree on that. I think, you know, to your point around the, the regulatory piece and the defensive piece, obviously there's been a, a whole host of, you know, resurgence, if you want to call it that, around some of those defensive topics like right, like governance, where um, 
but I guess that's been driven by businesses understanding that if they don't get that right, the analytics yeah. suffers. So it's not just about the you know regulatory control anymore. It's actually this <laughs> this piece is really important to get any of it right, which is uh, yeah, yeah, which is really yeah, really think, interesting. Uh, yeah, I do, and, and as I say, I, I think you can you can make that a little bit less defensive by the way you approach it. So um, I talked recently on my podcast actually about a, a problem I had with buying a, a buying and returning a bike that I bought for my son for his birthday. And you can, I could just see through that process all of the data problems they were having and that were impacting on their ability to respond to me. They didn't know where the bike was. They didn't know when it was arriving. They picked, they went to the wrong address to pick it up. Those things were data issues and solved by data governance and data better data management. And the impact of them not doing that was huge because I now will never talk to any of those businesses again. And whether yeah. they care or not, I don't know. But but I think that's that's offensive, right? That is that is both offensive in terms of it offended me. It's also <laughs> it's also proactive. It's solving customer problems, and that's what the data can do. That. So if we think about governance and management as a purely a back office and boring and a, and defensive play, I think it it puts it in the wrong bracket and i think it can be much more enabling exciting and, and freeing for an organization if they get that right yeah i think one of the things that fascinates me is the probably non-standardization of job titles in our industry you know whether we're talking about a cdo or data leadership in general and what organizations yeah. decide to call that and, and i speak on this podcast a lot about kind of how that impacts the just the kind of market in general because you know I know chief data officers that get paid 100k a year and I know chief data officers that get paid 500k a year right so these people evidently can't be doing the same job necessarily maybe on a different size and scale but there's yeah. there's something that just not quite the right there right you yeah. know so um, what have you seen in in that space has that been something that you've noticed in terms of just the you know the the types of people people you know these companies assigned to those types of roles if that makes sense yeah i think that the kind of the the price point if you like uh, the the salaries that are paid I, again i think it's it's um there's industry industry specifics in there so yeah you're, you're half a millions of the a size wise so your FTSE 100s but also probably fun, like, you know financial services yeah and those sorts of organizations that are just known to pay more and and actually i know i know a number of people that are on that kind of money who are sort of two or three rungs below <laughs> The, uh, the CDO role, they're kind of head of or yep. director of, right? And, and that's largely draw, uh, born out of bonuses and, and, and a package. But so, so I think I think to compare from that perspective across industries, it's quite it's different. I, I think it's um, it, it's not necessary. It's sort of a bit um, uh, it sort of misaligns it a little bit. But if you look within an industry and how it compares to other kind of director roles and other senior roles, I, I think there's there's still there's still that you know that mismatch still exists, and I, I don't think people know how to price it just yet, and and they don't know how to price it just yet because they're not really sure on the value um, that it that it will give, and 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 until the value that uh, and the return it can give is is clear, it's difficult to sort of say well, what's it worth. Um, worth doing and some industries will just pay a lot because it's in high demand and you, you know this the sort of supply and demand thing so some will just pay a lot because there aren't many of them and and some will some will promote you know up and this is where we you know i've seen our debates on on linkedin you know where you know they an organization wants you know, two or uh, ten years experience but want to pay someone uh, the price of somebody who's got two, two or three it's because they're trying to promote within and, and they're not quite sure yet whether they should have a really senior person or just someone that's really good who's mm. who's sort of you know, good enough to step up. So, 
So yeah, I think it's a, it is a challenge for organisations. I kind of em- empathise and sympathise actually about how if they've not done this yet, how do they know what's right and how do they know who to go after? But they got to get they got to understand that. I think there's a there's a bit the other way, which is data has to prove itself in a business so that they know how to they know it's worth it. They know it's worth pricing up um, or down accordingly. Mm, yeah. Where where does the whole concept of kind of ROI sit within this kind of debate, right? Because I think what mm. what I see a lot of is, especially organizations that are at the start of that journey or they're just about to embark upon that journey, it's almost a case of they need to know what they're going to get from this before they decide yeah. whether to bring someone in full time, whether they go to a consultancy business to give them that strategy, but they're always a little bit cautious about yeah. how much money they spend on that because if then someone lays out a strategy and it's you know they actually decide mm, we don't want to do that or we're not willing to put that level of investment to get to that point mm. then this whole exercise has been a waste of time and money right so i certainly yeah. think there's something at, at play there as well yeah we like with any investment um you have to what i've seen is you, you've got to you've got to prove some credibility you know so so you can have you can have a a business case and a you know a detailed sort of what's it going to return in five years um and that and a lot of organizations are still are still are still sort of working in that way um but i i think that's that's a risky approach still in terms of you know how do we know how much return we're going to get up front on some of these things until we've tested and learned and figured it out and understood the impact and that sort of stuff yeah. but so there's always a bit of there needs to be a bit of a leap of faith but uh, I think I think it, it, you do have to build credibility, right? And, and we actually we talk about it in the the book. We sort of we've got this idea of of leveling up your your capability and almost earning the right to get investment to do the to do the next thing. So yes, you might get a million quid to go and build a platform and bring a whole load of data scientists, um, but uh, because you know the board know they need to do something with data, but that might be really wasted investment if you haven't done the groundwork to kind of educate and make sure people get it. So you kind of you kind of need to start small and scale, but have a clear picture at the front about what the opportunity could be. So we're, we're a sort of big advocate of, of sort of looking wide and big, but starting quite narrow. So look big, like there's a big slug of opportunity because we understand our business, we understand the problems, we understand where this could go, we understand what our business strategy is, we understand what we're trying to achieve. Cool, they get, there's a whole bunch of value there. But we start small. We're going to go try and get this piece of value. And once we get this piece of value, we've proven that we can. And then we can iterate and grow and develop and, and as I say, earn the right to get some more investment. So I think I think ROI is important. Um, proving ROI up front before you do anything depends on the culture of the business and how they do budgets. But I do think it's important. You've got to, you've got to prove value. You've got to prove credibility. You've got to earn the right. You've got to deliver something. And, and, and that's all part of those sort of early stages of a CDO role. Yeah, it does fascinate me because obviously, you know, you you see and get into a lot of debate on platforms like LinkedIn about this whole topic of ROI. And it seems to me that it's still um, it's still quite a touchy subject for a lot of data professionals, maybe in terms of they, you know, they understand the importance of it. But I guess getting to that is still a still a gray area, right? It's still difficult to actually put a pinpoint tangible number on some of these things. So that does yeah. make it difficult. But um yeah, it's it's interesting. In your opinion, then, bring it back to today's CDO, modern day CDO. What what do you kind of advise that these people be thinking about? You know, what's the kind of premise of how they start on that journey? Um, yeah, I mean, think what they think about and what they have to do probably like obviously related, but um, slightly different. I I mean, they 
I think they have to have a deep understanding of the business, how it works, how it ticks, um, who the customers are, what the processes are, the strategy of the organization, the operations, like how it works, how it works. Um, I think that's fundamental. I actually see quite a lot of data leaders and CEOs sort of missing missing that part, actually, sort of dive into data and, and, and platforms and, you know, thinking about um, literacy and, and uh, democratizing data and all these kind of things and sort of miss the point that actually if we just really understand the business and find the, the pain points and find things that we can fix and help with, then line anything, everything up behind that. So I think they need to think about what the business actually does and what it is and how it works. Um, and then best, and then how how they best align the data stuff that they do, the activities they do, the strategy they have against those against those. So if the if there's a massive opportunity to increase the customer base by um, finding lookalike customers who who might start shopping with us, cool. Let's put a, a a program in place to help solve that problem for the business because that's the thing the business is trying to achieve. And then put all the data stuff behind it. That that's the kind of stuff we want to find. You know, my bike problem. There are problems with deliveries. It's costing us a fortune. We're sending them to the wrong place. Let's fix that problem. And that's a data issue. And and when we can put something behind it. So I think that thinking behind where can we help, where can we support, where can we fix, and and showing and showing that I think is really important. I would also say they need to think quite deeply about. Um, how best to set themselves up to achieve the most success in their business. It's not cookie cutter. It's not what we did last time. It's not what we did at the last organization. It's it's re- There are some frameworks and things you can use to sort of unpick that, but it needs to be quite bespoke to the organization that you're, that you're in. So what skills do we need? What are we missing? Where should we put everybody? How should we structure it? Um, how should we work as a business? How should we work? What's our operating model? What's our modus operandi for how we go from a need all the way through to a data product that's delivering value. Um, I think they need to think about quite deeply on communication and sort of empowerment. So how do we how do we ensure that the organization understands, is skilled up, and is empowered to 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 make just better decisions with data? Um, and then I think the, the last thing I'd say is probably um, I, I think something around kind of diversity ethics um, and how how the focus really is on doing the right thing um, and in the right way, of course, but but doing doing the right thing, um, building a diverse and inclusive team, making sure that ethics is at the heart of the the, the things that we do, making the right calls for for the business in terms of how they use data um, in the right way. Yeah, absolutely agree on all of that. Do you, do you think that maybe a lack of kind of knowledge or and or education within a business that is you know then looking to appoint data leadership, whatever we're calling that, plays a part in that? Because I think what what I see quite often is these organisations they're almost feeling obliged to be doing something with data analytics now because people talk about this stuff so much, and yeah. I think that leads them to tackle this the wrong way right you get business leaders obviously some much more savvy than others but you know some just they don't know what they don't know they want to go and hire someone in who can tell them what to do but often their their starting point is right well we'll buy this bit of tech and let's build a data platform and then we can kind of figure out what we're going to do from there and then you know all of that other stuff that you just mentioned around understanding the business communication diverse teams, ethics, you know, literacy, bringing the business on the journey is kind of always an afterthought. So, you know, when you look at it like that, it's kind of no wonder that 
we have this so much debate around this stuff because it's almost like these people that get these jobs are kind of setting themselves up to fail anyway in in you know in my opinion i think yeah i think i think that happens more if if as you say it's the your start the, the conversation starts and stops with technology and data and and i'm I'm sort of known for kind of dismissing data and in the data industry, and I don't dismiss data, but I, I, it, it's about, it's about, it's not the first thing to talk about, and and particularly when you're trying to get buy-in, get an organisation to understand. Like most most people are, you know, the word data mean can mean also data to someone. To my mum is the the you know how much data she has on her phone. So it's so totally different <laughs> from what we mean by data and analytics. Yeah. So. So, so there's so much kind of baked into the word data, even data strategy, the word strategy, people think different things. I think, I think we've got to kind of have the language of the organization and help them to understand where data can play a part. And, and if, and as, as you say, if, if the, the gig is come in and build a platform, then fine, have, have the gig has come and build a platform, but make it aligned to what the business wants to do and, and wants to achieve and not make it a, a kind of a black box hidden away technology initiative that isn't you know directly related to what someone wants and someone needs yeah. um and 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 as i said i've sort of said before it is aligned to something that the business wants to achieve so yeah i think that's when when many get there's a, there's a number of reasons why many get this wrong but one one of them is where it's a focus around particularly technology or purely data you talked about it before data governance data management and it's sort of almost a program of work to sort out data rather than a program of work to deliver value from data which mm. you can get to, it's the, you get to the same you get to a better endpoint and there's some of the same work it's just got a better focus yeah well why do you think that happens jason because what what fascinates me is that it doesn't matter who you speak to whether it's a business leader whether it's a cdo whether it's even now right to the junior levels right you talk to a data scientist or a data engineer or whatever the case may be and Everyone seems to know that, you know, you start with the business goals, the business strategy, the business challenges, the business opportunities, and everything else falls behind that. Yet in reality, that often doesn't actually play out all that often. Mm. Why, why do you mm. think that happens? I think the, I think, I don't, well, A, I don't think everyone does think that way. And we we go into many organizations that that have never, I talk about that being right to left rather than left to right. And as many, many companies we still talk to that don't think that way are thinking technology first, are thinking data governance first and, and not thinking the way you just articulated. Mm. But the, the kind of think that way and then everything else will follow, the everything else will follow is quite hard <laughs> and there's a lot to do and there's a lot yeah. to think about. So people don't often have a, a proper, well thought through approach to what that everything else follows looks like and, and what it needs to encompass and and covering all the bases. So there's people, there's technology, there's culture, there's change, there's diversity, there's, you know, there's all these topics that sit behind that kind of easy to say phrase. And so so there's that. And and then and then there's the context that that all sits in, you know. So, you know, what's the what's the um appetite of the business to invest right and and there's often a mismatch between the expectation and, and what people are willing to invest and they might not be willing to invest it because they don't understand and if we can't help people understand what the value is then they'll never invest it's a bit of like a vicious yep. circle of we want to do something but we don't really get it we don't really get it because we're trying to do tech we don't really so you sort of end up in this loop of of well how do we break out of this and and the the kind of aligned to the outcomes is the answer, but there's sort of quite a number of, sort of stages to make that happen. So, so I think a lot of it is is sort of education and and having a 
we haven't really talked about this actually, but the, the CDO role is really a business leadership role, right? And and it and a te- delivering technology in isolation isn't a leadership role. Um, you can you can you can build some great teams that are focused engineering teams and and um, that are focused on doing that, but it's not the role of the CDO to build to only build a technology platform. So I think we need to sort of raise up and and think about this as a business leadership role in the same way we do the CFO, the CMO. Um, or an exec position, um, and I think that helps to then change the narrative from being something that's focused sort of down on on you know downwards to being quite up and open. Yeah, absolutely agree on that. Well, where does the kind of reporting structure fit into this then? Because you know you 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 hear and see many things, don't you, on LinkedIn and various other platforms, such as you know, is it even a CDO role if it doesn't report to the CEO or the COO, right? You know, so if you're reporting to another C-suite executive, you're, are you then theoretically one rung down? Does that kind of dilute your, you know, authority or whatever in the organization that does that kind of then diminish how that's seen, you know, it's, so it's no longer a business leadership role. It's kind of, you're just there to deliver something and kind of get out type of thing. What's your stance on that? I think my stance is you just need to be clear on what it is in that, in an organization. I'm, I'm not that bothered about, in, in some ways, I'm not that bothered about where it sits. Uh, I think it's important in an in a company, in a specific company, it's important where it sits for all sorts of things around, you know, how money's allocated, how yeah. time and effort is spent, um, you know, the character of the individual plays important part. So it's important in a company, but in an industry, I don't, I don't think it's. I think people are trying to solve this problem of where it should sit, and I'm not sure it sort of needs solving for the industry. Hmm. Um, I think this whole is it C-suite or not. That's a like a that's a that's a very formal specific thing. There are the, the, the based on the structure. The business, if it's a PLC, it's if it's a C level role, it has an executive position, it has a specific seat at the table. Do you know what I mean? It, the C level thing is a real thing. Some businesses call organ, uh, uh, positions C level, even if they're not, and some people are called heads of, and they're quite senior. So, so if you're a, if you're in the if you're genuinely in the C suite, cool, you're a CDO and you have you have a role, you have a corporate governance role um if you're anything else that's not on the c-suite call it what you want I, I, you know i it's sort of I, I think we do get a little bit caught in a cycle of trying to work this one out and I, I think as long as you're clear on the role the responsibility um of of that position and there's buy-in for it all the things that aren't always easy to solve actually but that's where you want to try and get to is have clarity about um, about what w- what the responsibilities are and, and getting it communicated and getting people to bought into it and and making sure it's a sort of a horizontal group you know role so that it can impact as far as far and wide as possible if that's right for that organization so yeah I, I I'm I'm a little bit let's just make the right call I think get it closest to the the outcome so and where and, and impact so if if that's in some kind of change program, cool, stick the CDO in the change program, run the change program for God's sake. I don't mind. As long as it's close to where the where the the, the money, you know, there's money, there's budget, there's attention, there's capacity, there's time. That's where you want it yeah. um, to start with anyway. And then it might naturally in a more BAU mode sit somewhere different. Um, I also think it the, the appetite thing plays a part here. So, you know, a CDO reporting to the CEO, awesome, because it shows that there's appetite from the top to to take this really seriously. Um, if it's a head of role, you know, four or five rungs below the board, then it's not yet got the seriousness that it could have. Um, yep. And if that person's capable and influential, 
um, then they'll be able to na- they may be able to navigate their way around and make it more important and get it sort of up the rungs of the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where do you see most CDOs reporting to and what kind of implications has that kind of had, do you think? It's a real mix. So, as I say, some sort of into marketing I've seen quite or digital, um, some into the COO because it's kind of that sort of shared service type. You know, it's a it's a support function. So yep. people, sorry, people see it as a support function, therefore somewhere where it's kind of um, supporting the business COO kind of works or CFO, again, similar thing, CIO, CTO, um, it sits, it sits there sometimes directly to the CEO, although I'm not seeing that loads. So I, it is a real mix. Um, I think I see it in technology quite a lot, um, either CIO, CIO or CTO. I do see it in technology quite a lot. Um, but, but as I say, the implications sort of depends, sorry, the implications of where it sits depends on um, the culture of the business, because if the culture of the business is, if you're in finance, you're only you know, you're only focused on finance, then it might not work very well if it's trying to be a group role. Um, It's sort of the implication on how money is allocated. So if you're in a function and and the only way you can get money is through, you know, allocation from, for that. So if you're in marketing, you can only spend marketing money. Why would marketing want to invest in something for supply chain or for, you know, the operations, because it's not directly related to their P&L or however they're judged. So I think how money allocated is a, is a big implication. Mm. Um, and then probably the, the other way is sort of the character, the, the person, right? If they're a proactive, innovative, um, influential, charismatic individual, then they're able to kind of work cross-border um, and, and, and different geographies and, and different departments. If they're more of a kind of an insular sort of team build, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on building my thing and, and take requirement, then that's something quite different. So I think that that character of the individual changes the impact it can have based on where it's sat in the business. Mm. Have you seen kind of a an area of success where this has been sat some, you know, has it been sat somewhere specific that's done well, or is it really more organizational specific around the culture and appetite and investment from the business? Yeah, I think it's, it's organization specific. I think, I think I'd sort of answer that as it, it's most successful when it's been most focused on, on business impact and 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 return and value um and where there's really clear line of sight between the work that's done and and the the bit of the business it's trying to impact the least success i see is when it's a bit of like a data initiative to focus on data um yeah. i probably sound like a bit of a broken record on this podcast about this that point now but yeah that that genuinely is and i i've, I've seen really successful um data initiatives and, and cdos sat within marketing but i've equally seen brilliant sat within sort of the cfo and in technology you know i, mm. I, I really it's not you know it's um, the other sort of argument is is should it be in tech it's like yeah if 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 the technology function is a uh, a enabling innovative digital you know um uh, part of the organization cool brilliant place for it if it's purely one that supports, you know, tin and and gives laptops, then it won't ever be seen as 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 the the level it needs to be. Mm, yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting. I guess it, there's there's quite a lot made about the tenure of the CDO, right? And mm. there's some research out there which suggests it's kind of somewhere between eighteen months and two years typically. And I think that's you know based on um, kind of big FTSE one hundred type of of CDOs, I, I, I guess. But um, yep. does you know, what, why do you think that kind of tenure is so short? Yeah, 
um it's, it's sad really isn't it it's um i mean there's a there's a there's a gen- general reduction in how long people stay in organizations anyway so that's probably playing a part to some degree um but i i think for specifically for the cdo it's mostly around a mismatch of expectation so you've got a mi- mismatch of expectation from the organization and the budget they're willing to invest so you know two years in not getting the money out or um a mismatch of skill and expectation so high expectation being given the budget but unable to deliver the value because they're doing it wrong and then you know um given plenty of time to make something happen two years is is, is not an insignificant amount of time um the wrong type of cdo i think i see where that that can be quite quick so you've got you know you've got someone who's a data scientist at heart but there's and that's where they've been but actually this is a group enterprise-wide role and they've got a whole bunch of leadership responsibilities and you know data management and governance responsibilities and communication and data engineering and there's all these kind of extra things that they've not yet had the um, ability to do so really maybe you know not quite t-shaped enough um so i think that's sort of a mismatch of the type of cdo um and i think i think the other more practical one actually is where there's a and we've got this at a number of organizations that we're talking to at the moment, there's kind of a number of long-standing senior members of the team um, that are sort of protecting their part of the organization and concerned about the impact this, this new sort of CDO and CDO office and function, how it plays its part, where the, you know, where it sits. I was actually having a really good chat with um, a, a well-known chief data officer a couple of weeks ago about how much of a toe treading role the CDO role can be. Mm. Um, you know, you're, 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 you you have potential to touch every part of the business, every function, every business unit, every geography, um, and, and all those, all those functions, geographies, business units probably have something already in terms of an analyst or a, you know, even a whole data function. Um, so it can't, it can become a bit of a toe treading thing. And if that's not worked out, I think that's another reason where you can, you can end up kind of just not immersing yourself and being forming part of that that sort of dna so so yeah i, I think mostly about mismatch of something is, yeah. is where that that tends to be quite short yeah no i i agree i think um yeah yeah i know and a lot of the time as to go back to the point before right it's um these organizations that they know the importance they know the value the value that they can get for it and they they're you know on the face of it seemingly up for all of this but often it's a case of they don't know what they don't know and it's, yeah. i mean it's a real difficult situation to to kind of combat right so um i guess to finish then wh- where do you see the kind of the future of the cdo role going like what does the future hold for for that type of person um for the role or the person in the role both okay <laughs> um well i'll answer the um uh, the, the, where does the person in the role go? Because we, we're we're having a debate. Um, I'm not quite sure the timing of when this is going to be released and when we're going to do this. But anyway, at the moment, we're about to have a debate on could the CDO be the next CEO. Um, so so, and I think what's under that is not about yes no. It's much more about um, ha- it d- does the foundation that the foundational things that CDO needs to be good at does that lend itself really well for other business leadership positions, including running an organisation. And I think if if they're the kind of person um, and had the kind of role where um, it's genuine business leadership and it's genuine focus on commercial outcome and product development and those sorts of things, then 
totally can be part can become a a broader business leader role and, and indeed the ceo so so i think i think where the individuals can go obviously it depends on their appetite and what they want to do but i think those that are more focused on delivering um uh a commercial outcome or or um societal outcome or depends on the industry then i think they they can they can move into you know chief marketing officer roles you know divisional head roles coo even cfo if they've got some of the financial backing that they from early career or something like that so i think that's a route i think it's a great route actually and and uh, depending on appetite um i think you can go more in sort of product uh, and actually a, a, a um and claire Bachet in, in France, she's just take, she's just pivoted her role. Actually, she was the chief data officer. She's now the chief data and product officer. It's a very digital business, and I, I think that makes total sense. A great collaboration focused on product is what the the digital product the customer interacts with, and it's powered by data. I think it's a great combination. So I think that, that's quite a nice um, uh, uh, um, sort of scaling of the role and the responsibility. Um, I think the future of the role itself, um, I. I was actually of the opinion a couple of years ago that it that it you, you, it won't be needed forever. It's one of these where it's about getting a business better, um, defining a strategy and, and scaling the capability. And at some point, um, they're good enough at this. So I, I've sort of changed my opinion a little bit that that there's all there's so much opportunity and it's always it's always evolving. That that and there's a number of industries that have sort of got a lot of catch up. So I think. I think that will happen, but it's just a broader. I think my timeline for that happening is slightly longer than I than I expected a few years back. Um, but I do I do believe that an organisation that's at the sharpest end of doing well with data doesn't need a CDO. So if you look at kind of you know Netflix's and Amazon's and Uber and the and the organisations that are kind of sharp end of this and and what I call the optimised end of the level of our level up framework, um, where data is just in the DNA. Um, data is used to make decisions. Data is there to drive the business. It's it's a product in its own right. You don't need a someone in charge of data because it's just it, it's immersed within the business already. So yep. I think if you get to that level of maturity, the uh, certainly a very senior level position on the board is slightly less needed. However, if you're a product, you know, if you're Nielsen or a you know a Dunhumby, then of course data is the product and therefore the ceo essentially is the cdo because it's about you know selling data products to to the market so so yes um looking forward to seeing where it goes and i just hope we can support as many people into this in into this position and these data leadership positions and help them become better at it because i i strong i do strongly believe that the better the data leadership is in an organization the better outcome it can impact they can have as a business yep. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's interesting because I've had a few people on this podcast when we've talked about kind of, you know, the 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 people within the industry, especially at the leadership level and, and what the future looks like for those type of people. And, you know, does yeah. that give, you know, does data give them a platform for bigger business leadership roles? That's often been a consensus that, yes, it absolutely does if they are the right type of person with that kind of right type of, of skill set. And one yeah. thing we shouldn't be doing as an industry is kind of limiting our beliefs that once you've got to the CDO, that's the pinnacle. You know, there is yeah. things above that, right? Which it, I think is an important point to make. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree. And and I actually, you know, there's a lot of talk about how you know, oh, it's it's complicated and confusing. There's so many different routes and backgrounds into being a CDO, and there's so many routes and back uh, where they could go. I think that's great. I think it's brilliant. I think it's yeah. brilliant that there's opportunity for anyone to move into it. Any business leadership role, I think, could become a CDO as well, the other way around. Um, in fact, could be better because they're focused on commercial outcome. 
um, in, in many cases. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's great. I don't think let's not limit it. Let's not create a single path. For, you know, a, here's the steps you take to become a CDO. I, I love that there's like all these different approaches and routes into it because it creates a really, um, um, you know, diverse mix of skill sets, which are great fun to unpick and, 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 and make land in a business. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes sense, right? Because, you know, if you're a finance person by trade and you're a CFO, then, you know, largely speaking, finance is finance, whichever organization you go to, right? Broadly speaking, whereas data means different things to different business and what that role looks like and entails within an organization across different sectors, et cetera, you know, is, yeah. it can be very different, right? Which makes sense. Um, well, Jason, look, an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, if people haven't read your book and want to find it, where can they do so? Uh, yeah, the book is called um, Data Means Business, but it's a yellow, yellow book. Uh, data means business. Um, Amazon, you can buy the, the the physical copy. There's a there's a Kindle version. There's also an audio book that Barry and I uh, narrate. Um, so Amazon basically is the place to go. Perfect. Well, Jason, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. Bow, bow, bow,